0: Good afternoon, this is Dr. David Stender with another episode of Thyroid Solutions. I want to start off with a disclaimer, and that is that we do not claim to uh, treat, cure, or diagnose any allopathic condition, uh, and that before you begin any protocol or uh, follow any of our suggestions on this podcast, please uh, check with your medical provider first, Um, A couple more housekeeping items. If you would, please uh, uh, click on support if you like this content. Uh, And and, uh, in order for us to keep carrying this information to you, please uh, click on the support this podcast button. Uh, Also, you can voice text me as well. There is a button for that. Uh, You can also text message me at 520-818-4482. So what we're going to go into today, the title is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Uh, this is uh, what my my wife has been dealing with, or uh, what she was originally diagnosed with was Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and I'm going to go into the basics of it, uh, but I'm also going to uh, explain the whole autoimmune phenomena and how all these autoimmune uh, problems that are so rampant today uh with, what the core causes of those are and uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump into that uh, we uh, that th- this is something when my wife got ill some 24 years ago this is something that was even though i was aware of it it was really from a clinical perspective uh really new to me and, and honestly most practitioners and i'm not picking on anyone both on the natural side and on the uh, medical side, the allopathic side, there really a lot uh, to be desired. Uh, we, we saw a lot of things, as it turns out, as I've learned and uh, researched this and studied under some really brilliant people. I've learned a lot of things that they were doing or suggesting really weren't the answer. In fact, uh, probably making things worse in some cases. So, you know, we've talked in the past about uh, in our fast past episodes just the basics of thyroid uh, disease and uh, everything has to happen at the cellular level. And that uh, there's a new model of healthcare out there that is really uh, designed to help these kind of situations, these autoimmune and these. Chronic, even unexplained illnesses, and that's the functional medicine or functional nutrition model. Um, uh, so we've gone through that, but I, what, what I want to talk about is the origins, uh, the, the, the origins of uh, uh, autoimmune disease, and, and, and we'll get more into Hashimoto's as we go along. Uh, think of a three-legged stool, and, and as with any three-legged stool, if any of those legs are knocked out, the the, the chair can't, uh, the stool can't stand up. So what causes autoimmune uh, is the same thing that provides us the solution to autoimmune. Uh, Number one are stressors, and we've talked about this. This is stuff in our diet, and toxins, and infections, uh, and stress, and all of these things that drive inflammation. Uh, The second leg of the stool, is again from inflammation, inflammation and a toxic cell uh, turns on your genes of susceptibility. So if you carry genes of susceptibility for Hashimoto's or heart disease or whatever it is, uh, that, that toxic cell is going to provide the environment for that to happen. And then leaky gut, and this is uh, something that's really, uh, you know, it's a major cause of inflammation uh, and therefore a major cause of autoimmune. And, and what I want you to think of uh, when you think of uh, leaky gut, and I, I'm going to delve into this here. Uh, so think of your gut as, and I, when I say your gut, you really your entire gastrointestinal tract. Uh, literally, uh, you you have this tube that goes from your mouth out to the uh, to the the toilet where our food is digested, if you catch my drift. And so uh, this tube is uh, like 30 feet long, Uh, but the lining of the tube, especially when you get into the intestinal area, is literally one cell thick. It's it's razor thin, and it has the surface area uh, of a regulation tennis court. And this is where a lot of this stuff starts uh, with autoimmune. Uh, Autoimmune starts basically three phases. Uh, One is a loss of oral tolerance, in other words, food sensitivities. The second is a uh, loss of chemical tolerance. See this a lot with autoimmune is uh, people can't tolerate chemicals in any way, shape or form. And then the last phase is where there's a loss of self-tolerance. That's autoimmune, meaning your immune system's turning on your body. Uh, What makes it uh, really relevant with Hashimoto's, uh, so think of it this way. So you have these proteins uh, and and these large foreign proteins in particular, especially things like gluten and dairy uh, and these lectins uh, that aren't broken down properly in our digestive tract. And literally, they cause leaky gut. So think of the gut, again, that lining uh, like a cheesecloth. And it's got to allow things in or uh, things out into your bloodstream. That's where you simulate your nutrients and you get your energy and everything else and allows you to thrive. But what happens is, is when you're continually tearing holes in the cheesecloth, it sets up a whole myriad of problems. The first thing is... These are large foreign proteins. So gluten in particular, um, what everyone's always uh, referred to it as uh, alpha gliadin. It's one of several proteins in, in, in wheat uh, that seem to cause a lot of people problems. But when it goes through that cheesecloth, that has been torn, uh, it gets into our bloodstream, our immune system is ever vigilant. It's you know they have sentries posted, and it's looking for problems and looking for these foreign invaders. And to and to your immune system, it doesn't recognize it. Okay, I mean, it's it's not supposed to be there, uh, and it's what we basically what we've done. And you know, uh, uh, all weed has it. Okay, to, to just so you know. Uh, and even other types of grains as well. But gluten and dairy, they they get into our gut. Our immune system says, uh, is this a friend or a foe? It says, no, that's a foe. Let's go after it. Uh, And and so it releases these chemical messengers like uh, cytokines, which are very pro-inflammatory. So already you have this uh, systemic inflammation going on throughout your body. And by systemic, I mean everywhere. And uh, it can be in your joints, uh, bloodstream, everywhere. And that what makes it doubly bad, especially uh, uh, things like gluten and dairy, uh, something called molecular uh, mimicry or cross-reactivity, your immune system says, well, not only is it not supposed to be there, but it's close enough, it looks close enough uh, to thyroid tissue, thyroid tissue. And uh, you know some of these uh, antigen-antibody binding sequences are very, very similar. And so essentially what's happening is your immune system saying, okay, we're creating inflammation everywhere, but now let's directly target thyroid tissue or anything that looks like it. And then that's what basically what happens is it, it turns on your, uh, on your thyroid. And uh, thyroiditis is what it says. Anytime you see itis, uh, you know, like bursitis or tendonitis or whatever it is, it means inflammation. And so what it does is it creates this chronic inflammatory attack and it can be relentless. And what we're going to get into eventually is strategies to calm that down. And the first thing you're going to have to do, by the way, As I said, if you're a hypothyroid, there's a very strong chance you're Hashimoto's. Okay, if you've been diagnosed with primary hypothyroidism with elevated TSH, very, very strong likelihood, like up to 90%, are Hashimoto's. So you have to be able to, one of the first things you need to do uh, and one of the toughest things to do is eliminate things like grains and dairy in your diet. Now, there's other other lectins. Uh, the tomatoes can be a really big offender. Uh, the three things I tell people uh, that you should consider eliminating forever, uh, if you're autoimmune, if you've been diagnosed autoimmune, uh, is eliminating dairy, uh, gluten, uh, you know, grains, and then also. Uh, uh, tomatoes and other nightshades could be issues too but those are the three biggies uh you know if you start there that's you know, that, that that's a really good really good place to start um, we also talked last time about the endocrine control tower and, and that but so one of the things i i i uh One of the things I talked about is the mechanism of how thyroid hormone is made. That cascade that goes from the hypothalamus to the pituitary, which then passes it on to the thyroid to make more T4, and that there's a conversion process uh, where T4 goes into the. uh, T4 is converted in the liver and in the gut into T3, which then your body can use. We also said that uh, iodide, uh, or I'm sorry, we need iodine and tyrosine to make T4. That's what, in your thyroid, that's how it makes it. Uh, But in the process, iodide has, so you're going to hear me talk a lot about enzymes, and anytime you see A-S-E on the end of any word, that, that implies it's an enzyme, or there's an enzymatic reaction involved. And so what happens with, uh, so so what happens with uh, iodide, uh, it has to be converted to iodine in the thyroid. And there's an enzyme called thyroid peroxidase. That's TPO. Okay. And so when, when someone checks right now, a lot of you have not been checked and had your antibodies checked. Because, again, in the, in the, in the medical profession and even in a lot of others, they're they're treating it as a thyroid problem when it's an immune problem. We need to know if it's an immune problem. Again, I consider it an immune problem until proven otherwise, but the TPO is one of the antibodies. So if your body's producing antibodies against that enzyme TPO, which is making that conversion, you can see how that could have a a negative effect on uh, thyroid production, thyroid hormone production. Uh, The other one is TGA which is uh, a protein carrier, uh, and and that carrier can be attacked as as well uh, by your immune system. That's how they determine if you have Hashimoto's. Now, they also have antibodies, something called TSH antibodies, for people with Graves' disease, and Graves' is a, a hyperthyroid problem right out of the gate, okay, whereas Hashimoto's is typically starts out hypothyroid, and then in more advanced stages it can actually fluctuate between hyper and hypo. So, but just to, just to give you a little, that's just a little background, but uh, if you haven't gotten checked, okay, if you haven't had those tested, you have a thyroid issue, uh, see if you can get it tested. Uh, by the way, if, if, if your medical provider or whatever isn't on board, don't be surprised. Because they really don't understand the relevance of it. It doesn't change their treatment one bit. Their treatment's gonna be thyroid hormone, and that's pretty much it. Uh, and, and so, but the only thing they might change is the composition. You know, they could do ARMOR, uh, th- which is porcine or pig thyroid, and it's both T4 and T3. You know, that's really the only thing that they're going to change uh, when it comes to treating hypothyroid. So find yourself a functional medicine or a functional nutrition provider that's versed in this and, and get those uh, antibodies checked, and, and then, uh, then then we can take it from there. Uh, the other part of uh, the autoimmune issue that we need to talk about okay, uh, is your microbiome and you know, everyone's heard of probiotics and you know, and how important it is to have healthy bacteria. It's getting to be really more mainstream. People are starting to understand it. Um, With the human microbiome project, which was completed uh, less than 10 years ago now, they've discovered so much about us and the importance, the critical nature of these bugs. Uh, So to put it into perspective, we have 50, like I said earlier, we have 50 to 70 trillion, uh, 50 to 70 trillion cells that make up our body. We have at least 10 times more bacteria and microbes that make up our microbiome. And... uh, Literally, uh, as, I, as I like to tell people, what this the Human Microbiome Project determined, you're only about one percent human. In other words, you have a hundred times more bacterial DNA in your body than you do human DNA, and it's remarkable. And this this is necessary. For Uh, for a healthy immune system, a healthy nerve system. It makes neurotransmitters. uh, It it, it aids in in, uh, hormone uh, metabolism, uh, hormone processing. Uh, Literally, there's no function in our body that doesn't uh, need a a healthy microbiome. And unfortunately, uh, what's happened, and it really uh, fills in some key holes as far as you know, the nature of a lot of these chronic diseases, a lot of it's now coming back to the m- microbiome and what we've done to it. We've become hyper hygienic, if you will. Uh, we, we've got a scorched earth policy when it comes to dealing with bacteria, you know, all these antimicrobial products. And by the way, I mean, I'm not saying you don't wash your hands with soap and water, but we've become extremely OCD and extremely uh, you know, hyper sanitary and it's destroying our microbiome and uh, you know, just one drop of intestinal fluid, you have billions of microbes, literally billions in one drop. You know, they're doing studies, um, they're doing studies uh, now on, uh, and, and they've done this in the past and uh, something called fecal uh microbial transplants, in other words, fecal enemas. And there's tons of stuff out there in the literature on this. They're currently at a lot of hospitals uh, and it's becoming kind of mainstream. They're doing these fecal enemas for uh, different uh, infections like C. diff, uh, which is very common in nursing homes and can be fatal. Uh, the reporting a ninety, I believe it's a ninety-two percent success rate, just by doing fecal enemas. So, in other words, you take uh, fecal material of a healthy donor uh, and you uh, transplant it uh, into uh, into an unhealthy donor. In other words, someone struggling with something like C diff. They did these studies. Uh, they did these studies in. Uh, in institutions uh, where there is people that were uh, severely depressed. And they would, again, they do a fecal transplant from someone who would, uh, healthy and happy people use their uh, fecal material and then do, and transplant it into them. And and uh, these people were becoming uh, happy and then literally no longer depressed. Really exciting stuff. Uh, the hope is that they're gonna develop uh, a way to get this into our system uh, in, 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 a, in a way that doesn't seem quite so disgusting. And, and I know if, it, if people will, uh, listening to this, but Hey, if, 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 if I were someone that was really struggling, really advanced uh, autoimmune condition, things like that, I'd, I'd consider it. I really would. Uh, but do your, do, do your homework, uh, plenty of stuff. I mean, they've done uh, studies on mice and, and rodents where they would take uh uh, you know skinny mice, okay, and have them cohabitate with uh, obese mice, or put them in with the obese uh, mice. And then one of the things mice have, and these rodents have a tendency to do, is they like to uh, eat their uh, poop. Okay, so uh, what what happened is is when the skinny mice started eating uh, the the poop from the from the uh, from the obese mice, they become obese and vice versa. They would put obese mice in with a bunch of skinny mice and start eating their poop and they'd eventually become skinny. And we can pass this on from generation to generation. But the only reason I'm bringing this up here, you know, it's just, it's, it's uh, like I ask is, you know, what's bugging you? Well, uh, what, what could be bugging you is a lack of bug, bugs. And it's not just having a number of bugs but it's, it's having a good diversity in different strains of these bugs. And, and the other thing I want to mention right here is a lot of people are taking uh, probiotics, and to be honest, it's a very inefficient way to increase the diversity in the population of, you, of your uh, uh, microbiome. Uh, food is actually the best way, and, uh, things like pre-bi- prebiotics, like jicama or you know, Mexican yam. And there's other good prebiotics as well. Eating uh, that, eating fermented vegetables. You know, the, the numbers alone, by eating fermented vegetables like sauerkraut, and, uh, some of these other things, you, you literally are getting trillions and trillions of bacteria uh, with every serving. Whereas with the best probiotics on, on the market, you're getting billions. It's not even comparable and you're not getting the diversity as well. So when you're eating, that's why it's important because we can get these different microbial benefits and uh, on this microbial spectrum by eating a wide variety of foods. You know, look to get all the colors in, in, in the color spectrum on your plate. Uh, Eating different vegetables and and fruits in moderation, uh, you know things like that to to feed it as well. So, uh, you know, so so what causes leaky gut? Okay, uh, you know, are these uh, a lot of different things? You know, the gut infections, uh, things like SIBO, uh, small intestinal bacterial uh, overgrowth, uh, candida. Uh, is one uh, that, that's very common, especially in women, and then parasites. And they can all cause leaky gut as well. Uh, but the, the big ones are toxic and inflammatory foods. Alcohol, every time you, you know, here, here's the thing. When you when you consume these things, uh, like alcohol or gluten, dairy, things like that, it tears a hole in your cheesecloth. Now, it, you, the cheesecloth can, literally heal within a, a two or three days. You totally regenerate that every two or three days. But if you're constantly bombarding and, and tearing open that cheesecloth, after a while, you buy, it won't heal anymore. And that's when the problem starts. As things start leaking through that cheesecloth into your bloodstream and your immune system goes a little haywire. Okay, so the big ones, and, and just in my uh, what I like to do is I like to start people off on an elimination diet. Now, there is advanced testing. There's a lab called Cyrex Labs where you can pinpoint some of these. But, you know, it, it gets costly. So uh, if I can just uh, doing a, I, I like elimination diets because, one, it makes people conscious of what they're eating. Okay. And, and eventually you can start reintroducing these in a very particular order. Um but but for the time being, and here's what I say: if, you, if you're autoimmune or suspect you are, uh, strongly consider uh, being totally gluten free. By the way, be aware of gluten free products. Uh, there, there's a lot of starch and there's a lot of things hidden in there. Uh, they really spike your blood sugar, even if it is gluten free. It's definitely better than that, you know, stuff with gluten. But uh, just just know that there's issues there too. Uh, dairy, uh, uh, and uh, dairy, and especially commercial dairy and what they call A1 beta casein dairy. That's the protein that seems to be the big offender. Some people can do well on A, uh, A2 beta casein. Uh, and A2 would be things like sheep or, uh, or goat's milk. And there are specific cows that are... Bread to be A2. Uh, you can find it, but it's hard to find. But to start with, I'd suggest just you know just go off it all, go off at all, and then introduce uh, if you want to reintroduce dairy at some point way down the line. I would I would do the sheep or goats dairy or the A2 cow dairy. Uh, grain any grain or pseudo grains uh, can be very very uh, uh, inflammatory and can. can can cause leaky gut. Uh, By the way, good book, I've mentioned this in the past, a couple good books on the subject, Wheat Belly, uh, Grain Brain, and then also The Plant Paradox. Uh, I've mentioned it on a previous podcast. uh, well worth reading so you understand, when when you understand the mechanism of the why behind we're doing this, you're gonna be more likely to follow through on the recommendations. Nightshades can be a big, big issue, like I said, like tomatoes, peppers, things like that. These things, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, plants needed to have a mechanism built in to protect themselves from predators like us, okay, or animals. And those are seeds. So anything with seeds tends to have an issue. Uh, Legumes. Legumes egg whites can be a problem for certain people. You're much less likely to uh, react to uh, egg yolks. Uh, so this is one of the first things I allow people to reintroduce is egg yolks. And uh, again, we have a specific uh, timing of how we do the reintroduction. Um, but if you're gonna reintroduce, uh, you know, reintroduce the egg yolks first, and if you're doing okay, then you can do the egg whites with it. So uh, anything GMO, uh, genetically modified uh, organisms, this is huge. They're showing in animal studies that GMOs literally perforate holes in your intestinal tract. Um, Things like glyphosate and and, and these GMOs, uh, GMO crops, corn is a big one, soy is a big one. you you need to avoid it. And of course, sugar, sugar is, as we said, very pro-inflammatory. Uh, the other things, medications. Obviously, antibiotics create a problem in your GI tract. They're killing off bacteria, and they're not. And, and especially these broad-spectrum antibiotics, they're just uh, you know they're just clearing out the bacteria and creating you up for uh, creating what we call dysbiosis. Uh, And if you have a history of a lot of antibiotics, there's a good chance you have leaky gut and you have a a very compromised microbiome. Uh, The thing to know about the microbiome, too, is there's no such thing as good or bad bacteria. It's like an ecosystem. And there's meant to be certain uh, so-called bad bacteria or pathogenic bacteria like E. coli and uh, salmonella, some of these other things But as long as they're kept in check by the good ones, they're not going to do any problem. In fact, they even play a role, okay? H. pylori is another one. It's just where they they just take over. Uh, So we have to keep, uh, you know, a really good supply of good bacteria and to keep the pathogenic bacteria in check. Uh, NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So things like aspirin, ibuprofen, a leaf, Celebrex, you name it. It's literally like dropping little grenades in your stump, stomach. Uh, it's going to instantly create a leaky gut situation. So you have a history of taking a lot of these. And by the way, there's a lot of problems associated with long-term chronic use. Uh, today, or this the, the, the this podcast, uh, I don't have enough time to go into it all, but understand that uh, there, there's no such thing. The bottom line is there's no such thing as a safe drug uh, and that it will, the effects will rear their ugly head at some point if it's something you're chronically taking. Birth control pills. Uh, I, I don't think anything wrecks a woman's metabolism worse than birth control pills and, and, and even when you get off of them. Uh, so there's certain steps you need to take to overcome that. Uh, prednisone, okay, is another one. So people, you know, if they are uh, got rheumatoid arthritis or some of these conditions where they're taking these powerful corticosteroids like prednisone or cortisone. Uh, acid blockers. Uh, I did touch on this a little bit, but if you're taking proton pump inhibitors or anything, that's blocking acid in your stomach, you're setting yourself up for issues. That hydrochloric acid is what's needed to break down uh, those proteins like gluten, uh, like dairy, and it makes them into smaller. So think of those proteins like a pearl necklace, these chains of uh, amino acids and peptides. And so what the hydrochloric acid does in your stomach, is like scissors cutting this Cutting the strands and making the proteins into smaller pieces so your digestive tract can handle it. Um, By the way, a lot of long-term problems with taking acid blockers, protein pump inhibitors, including heart disease and cancer and all sorts of stuff. Uh, What else? we got chemotherapy, radiation, uh, surgeries, uh, toxic mold or mycotoxins. And then I already mentioned stress. Uh, so all of these things cause leaky gut. You know, I, I've touched on toxins, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off uh, for this segment. Uh, you know, toxins I think are the number one cause of uh, inflammation and thyroid problems because uh, they, they cause inflammation of the cell membrane. They blunt the receptors, your insulin receptors. Uh, uh, so we have to have a a, a pro.